Good morning. If you'd be turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. It's, uh, I'm glad they turned lights on. I was kind of worried, actually, for a little while. Um, it's, it's not often you get to preach a sermon where the application for your sermon has already been made. And thank you, Reggie, and thank you, worship team, for leading us. I will be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through verse 9. The word of the Lord. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to gather here today with your people and to sing loud songs of your praise. Father, your name is so great and is so worthy of loud songs. We thank you, Lord Christ, for this word which you have spoken to us and which you have caused to be handed down to us through your servant Matthew, that we might not chase after fame, our own fame, that we might not chase after things which are vapid and empty and which fade away. We thank you that you have taught us to seek the glory of your Father's great name. We ask that now you will sanctify this word to our hearts. Lord, may we not only hear it with our ears, but may it sink deep down inside of us and by your Spirit spring up to eternal life, to the glory of your Father's great name. Amen. Uh, As Reggie was so kind to say... My middle name is Rupert, and uh, it's a somewhat unusual name, uh, not the most popular, I guess. And I have been ri- uh, ridiculed by kids all my life, even as today Reggie Kid continues to ridicule me. 
But uh, someone even somewhere along the way, friend or foe, I don't remember, made up a song, Roop Doggy Dog or something like that. But um, sorry. In this esteemed congregation, such things should not be said. But by the time I was a teenager, I, I really had come to the place where I wasn't embarrassed about that name anymore. And the reason is, is Rupert Edwin Swain was the name of my grandfather. And Rupert Edwin Swain was of the rarest quality of Christian gentlemen. He was a guy who, when he walked in the room, everyone was happy that he was there. He was a man of kindness. He was a man who I have seen with my eyes and heard with my ears, who truly practiced pure and undefiled religion, visiting the widow and the orphan and their affliction. And so about the time I was old enough to figure things out, I became very proud of that name. And you better believe when my first son came along, his name would be Josiah Rupert Swain. There's a lot that goes into a name. One's character, one's reputation is represented by one's name. Whether you can be counted on or counted against, whether you're a friend or an enemy can be summarized in your name. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, our Lord Jesus instructs us to pray, hallowed be your name. Now, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, I think Jesus is, is not just trying to show us how to pray. Okay, now that is the immediate concern here. The disciples are, are asking him, how do we pray? But there's something much bigger, something much broader going on in Jesus' teaching here. What Jesus is seeking to do in teaching us to pray, hallowed be your name, he's seeking to convert our ambitions. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to change our passions. He wants us to teach us to stop seeking certain things and to start seeking others. There, there, there are some things Jesus says that we shouldn't even seek at all. And, and, and we've read some of them at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. We shouldn't seek to make a name for ourselves. We shouldn't seek the praise of men. And so when we do good deeds, which we are commanded to do, and Jesus will elsewhere say, let your light shine before men. So he's not saying don't do things that people can't see. But he says when you do them, don't do them for the praise of men. So, so there's some wrong things he doesn't want us to seek. But what's fascinating, and, and we didn't read this, but if, if you look in Matthew chapter 7, there's some good things that we, we, we do have to seek. But he's trying to teach us not to seek those good things in the wrong way. And so, for example, clothes and money, and, and, and food, and all those other things. Jesus says in Matthew 7 that the Gentiles, King James, I love the way the King James says it, they chase after these things. They're consumed by, how much money do I have? Okay, What am I wearing? And, and Jesus says, look, these things aren't bad. Your father knows, in fact, that you need them. But he says, don't let those things consume your life. They're, they're too small for you. They're not worthy of your pursuit. Well, 
in this first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, having deconstructed these other things that we shouldn't seek, He lays before our face the one thing that we should pursue with our lives, with our hearts, with our lips, with our families, in our church. Hallowed be your name. Well, what is the prayer that Jesus is teaching us to pray? Here's a definition, and, and we'll just unpack it, okay, for the rest of the time. When we pray, hallowed be your name, what is Jesus teaching us to pray? Here's what it is. That God would cause his name to be known, trusted, and adored above all things and in all places. Pretty straightforward. That God would cause his great name to be known, trusted, and adored above all things and in all places. Well, how do we know this? How do we know that this is what Jesus is teaching us to seek? What Jesus is teaching us to order our lives around? Uh, Look back in your Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah casts the vision which Jesus seeks to impart to us. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, 2, and 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy. His name exalted above all things. The train of his robe filling the temple. His glory fills the earth. His name praised in all places. When Jesus is teaching us to pray, Hallowed be your name. That's the vision he wants us to grasp. And really, the rest of the scriptures keep coming back to this vision. In fact, it comes before Isaiah. In Numbers chapter 14, very interesting. Israel is coming into the land. Israel has believed the the ten bad spies and their bad report. And so a whole generation of Israelites are going to fall in the desert because of unbelief. And right in the middle of God's judgment, he says to Moses, Nevertheless... As truly as I live, Numbers 14, 21, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Did you see? Habakkuk 2, 14. Habakkuk's worried about the really, really, really bad guys that are coming to destroy God's people who are not as bad as the really, really, really bad guys. And yet Habakkuk says in Habakkuk 2.14, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19, a vision of the Messianic age. The psalm concludes saying this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, 
who alone does wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we pray that God would cause his great name to be known, trusted, and adored above all things and in all places. It's a big vision. And and, and Jesus says, don't pray for anything smaller than that. Now, this is what we were made for. Right? This is why God made the world. Right? God made the world to, to manifest the splendor of his great name. Right? And then he put us his image bearers in the garden, those who would reflect his glory and charge us to fill the earth so that the earth might be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. But there's a problem, right? The problem is, is that serpent who, who, who snuck into the garden And he posed that question to Eve. Did God really say, don't eat of the tree? Now, Satan wasn't just asking an information question. You know that, right? It wasn't that the serpent was out here doing something else, and then he's coming by a little bit later just to make sure he didn't miss anything. Right? The point is, are you kidding me? God said that? He is casting doubt on God's character. He is profaning God's name. What sort of God would withhold the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What sort of God wouldn't let you decide what's best for yourself? And of course, Adam and Eve bought the lie. And so human history is not the history of God spreading the glory of his name to the ends of the earth. Human history is the history of, well, we see it in Genesis 11... What's happening there? Of man refusing God's commission and instead building that Tower of Babel. And you remember why they're building it? To make themselves a great name. Adam and Eve were really bad. And so were those guys at Babel, weren't they? But of course, we are too, aren't we? Exodus 20, verse 7, the third commandment. Do you remember what it says? Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, I, I always thought, probably for really too long, probably I wouldn't have been hired uh, if they knew how long I thought this, uh, but I always used to think that you could summarize, you know, how do you translate? Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Well, how do you translate it, kids? Don't cuss, right? Don't swear. Don't, don't say the Lord's name unless you're praying and praising and, and speaking his praise. Um, and again, that's, that is part of it. But there's something much deeper in that command. There's something much deeper in that prohibition, isn't there? Look at, look at Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah 29 The Lord speaking to his people says, Ah, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David encamped, add year to year, let the feasts run their round. Yet I will distress Ariel 
and there shall be moaning and lamentation. God is threatening judgment. Why? Look down to verse 13. It tells us why God is sending judgment. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. You know what it is to take God's name in vain? It's not just to blurt it out when you're cussing. It's to gather in this place and to sing with all your might in praise to God when the ambition of your heart is something else. You know, all of us chase after something, okay? And, and if I had time to kind of get inside your head and, 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 and search you out, I could find out what it is. You know how you know what you really pursue in life, what you're really chasing in life? It's, it's when you're all alone. It's when, you, when, when, when your work is done, when, when you're not changing diapers, if you're me. It's when, you're, when you don't have anything else to do. Where does your heart go? What's the thing that comes into your mind in terms of the plan? If only this, if only I could get this done, right? When your time is free, when your mind is free, where does it go? That's the ambition of our hearts. And our Lord says if it goes anywhere else, then that his name be hallowed above all things. And we take his name in vain. And as you know, Exodus 20 says, The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Of course, that's why Jesus taught us to pray, Hallowed be your name. Right? Because it's only God who can cause his name to be known, trusted, and adored above all things, and in all places. If we had time, we could really look closely at the book of Exodus. It's a very interesting thing in the book of Exodus. Remember, God comes to Moses after the Lord hears Israel's groaning under the oppression of Pharaoh, and the Lord remembers his promise. And so he comes to Moses, and he calls Moses And Moses is throwing up all kinds of objections. (laughs) Why he can't serve the Lord. But you remember one of the objections Moses shows up, throws up? What happens when I go to Israel and say you've sent me, and they ask me, okay, what's his name? Now think about this for a moment. Moses. Moses claims not to know the name of the Lord. Well, this becomes a theme in the unfolding chapters. Chapter 5, when Moses does go to Pharaoh, do you remember what Pharaoh says to Moses? Moses says, let my people go. You've seen the movie, right? And, and Pharaoh says, who is Yahweh that I should let Israel go? I don't know this God. I'm not familiar. And, and I know a lot of gods, and I've never heard of him. Well, in Exodus chapter 6, God comes to Moses again. And he tells Moses that he is going to deliver Israel from Pharaoh's oppression. And then he says something very, very interesting, verses 2 and 3. He says, you know what? 
to this point, the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they have known me as Lord Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, the Lord, I have not made myself known to them. Now, he doesn't mean they didn't know that God's name was Yahweh, the Lord. He means they didn't know what it meant. And he tells Moses to tell Israel that right now, in the schoolhouse of Egypt, he's about to give a lesson about what it means to be Yahweh. And so, God sends Moses and all the plagues. And time after time after time, he, Moses will say, I'm doing this so that you may know something X, Y, Z about the Lord. See, all the plagues, all the judgments, the great act of salvation that happens through the Exodus is about God's making His name known, which was formerly unknown. He says in Exodus 7, 5, The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Chapter 8, verse 9, Moses says, After the plague of the frogs, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Verse 22, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Chapter 9, verse 29, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Chapter 10, verse 2, that you can tell your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, that you may know that I am the Lord. Chapter 9, verse 16, probably the summary statement of all of these kinds of purpose statements. Exodus 9, 16, the Lord says, But for this purpose I have raised you, Pharaoh, up to show you my power, and listen to this, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Moses doesn't know God's name. Pharaoh doesn't know God's name. Israel doesn't know God's name. But God comes down and causes his great name to be known. And as a result, Exodus tells us that Israel came to know it, They came to trust it, and they came to adore it. At at the conclusion of the whole plague cycle, after God has brought Israel out of Egypt, they're standing at the Red Sea, and Exodus 14, verse 30 says this, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And listen to this. Israel saw the great power of the Lord. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. So God caused his great name to be known, trusted, and adored above all things, including Pharaoh. God's will was to make his name known in all places through Israel. Israel was called to be a light in the midst of all the nations. And of course, we know that Just like Adam failed, Israel failed. And so the prophets pronounced judgment on Israel. Isaiah 2.8 said their land is filled with idols. Think about the irony there. right? Rather than Israel's worship being a means by which the glory of the Lord filled the earth, 
the land of Israel is filled with idols. Profane images. Later when Israel goes into exile, in Ezekiel, the Lord says to Israel, you have profaned my name among the Gentiles. And so Adam failed. Israel failed. We fail. But God promised in the future that one day he would again cause his great name to be known. In Ezekiel 36, verse 23, the Lord promises, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. Isaiah 45, 23, By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, and every tongue swear allegiance. Well, the the day of the fulfillment of this promise came at the fullness of time, didn't it? When God sent His Son, born of a woman, born in the law, to redeem us from the curse of the law. And He sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, whereby we do what? We cry. Abba, Father. God kept His promise of making His great name known through the greater exodus of Jesus' death and resurrection by sending His Spirit into our hearts. Jesus commands us to pray, Hallowed be Your name. You know, so many times when we hear Jesus commanding us to do something we, 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 we hear his commands as, as a burden, as a, oh, just another thing to do on my heavy religious burden list. Okay? But Jesus commands us to hallow the Father's name because he loves us. See, when Jesus was facing the cross. It says in John chapter 17, verse 5, the one thing he prayed for, he says, Father, I want to return to the glory that I had with you before the world was. See, Jesus knows the joy it is to know the Father's name, to adore the Father's name, And he knows what it would be to lose it. But that's why he went to the cross, right? Jesus went to the cross to bear our loss, to bear the curse for all of our profaning of God's name, to to bear the death sentence that would give us the money, the clothes, the fame that we might even win for ourselves only to see it burn forever. He went to the cross to secure for us the right to see God's face, the right to seek His name. Jesus commands us to do this because He loves us. And because 
He knows, he knows us how we really are. He knows we're dead to this vision. Right? He knows that no matter how many times you pray it, no matter how many times some preacher gets up and tells you to pray it, he knows we're dead to it. And so not only did he die for us, but he sent his spirit into our hearts. His spirit who fills us with the knowledge, that trust, the adoration that Jesus has for his own father's name. The spirit imparts that to us. Jesus pours his spirit into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Whereby we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name. There's a very interesting thing in the Old Testament sacrificial system and all the legislation related to the priests and the tabernacle, later the temple, and the sacrifices and the holy garments. There's one piece of clothing or jewelry, if you will, that the high priest wears on his turban. It's a little gold signet which says, Holiness to the Lord. Now the thing about this was there's only one person in Israel who wears it. And really there's only one time in Israel where he wears it in such a way to reflect the full reality of what that name signifies when he comes into the Holy of Holies. Zechariah prophesied of a day, though, when that signet would not just be on one person in one place. But Zechariah says there's going to be a day where holiness to the Lord is going to be written on the bells that are on the horses and on the pots and on the pans. In other words, on every common thing, that phrase, holiness to the Lord, will be written. Well, Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name, because in Jesus and by his spirit, that day has dawned. And so we pray that God would cause his great name to be known, trusted, and adored above all things here in my lips, here in my heart, here in my body, here in our families, here in our churches, here in the preaching of the gospel, here in the giving of a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. But we pray that it will happen here so that through us, It'll also happen there. Right? That God's name might be hallowed in College Park, where Ted Sin, Lord willing, will plant a church. That God's name would be hallowed in Darfur, where our brothers and sisters are being killed because they hallow this name. That God's name would be hallowed in Kazakhstan. That God's name would be hallowed in China. And we pray with confidence that God will cause his great name to be hallowed above all things. And in 
all places. Because after all, we know the one who swore, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's pray. We thank you, Jesus, that you love us. We thank you, Jesus, that you teach us. We thank you, Jesus, that before we knew there was anything to lose, you suffered our loss on the cross. And before we even knew the Father's name to be praised, you rose triumphant. You poured out your Spirit on all flesh. And through the work of your Spirit, through the work of your church, you have caused us to hear that name. We pray that your Father's name will be hallowed in all places, above all things. Amen.